You're listening to DraftKings Network. Which do we do first? Well, I haven't started it yet. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought we had to do that after QuickTime. Okay, anyway, sorry, carry on. I'm going to dye my hair after this, and I will finish writing after that because I'm not there. And if my hair comes out poorly, I could lose my mind tonight. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan, and... As we reach a time of the year when we focus on people that we are so thankful for and what we are thankful for in our lives, there couldn't be two people I am more thankful for than my two co-hosts. So let's start with someone who always challenges, fights for what's right, um, both for herself and for others, the incredible, amazing Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? Oh, full of love for you and so thankful for both of you and just cracked open a claw and fought Clay Travis on Twitter. So happy Thanksgiving to all. <laughs> That's a good day. <laughs> and as we always say, we would be nothing if we did not have the artsy, the creative, the doing things her own way because it's the right thing for her. Shayna Goldman from The Athletic. Shayna, say hi. Hi. Good job. Nice work. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask you something. I'd like to turn the tables. Um, you did this like incredible thing this weekend where you were between the benches, you know, for the Kraken Kings game. And then you, I don't know, like did color commentary on a national game for USA Canada in the rivalry series. So we want to ask you, <laughs> Here maybe, we like, go. you know, your three favorite things about it, what the experience was like. Tell the people they want to know. We've been getting mentions like, is Allison going to talk about her weekend? Like, yeah, she's going to <laughs> right now. What did Hillary Knight smell like? <laughs> okay, Hillary Knight's awesome. Like she's, I, it, she's very cool. I got to interact with her three times. Uh, we did a 32 questions video for the Kraken, and then um, I had the honor to host a panel uh, where she was one of the four athletes there, and then obviously saw her at the game. But um, like I was, I was, I'll say this: I was nervous. Like I, I can talk to an NHL player any day, and it's fine. But like. I just have so much respect for these women on both teams, these athletes, and what they work for and the different circumstances under which they have to work. And I, I do. I love the women's game. I, I loved going to the Ohio State women's games when I was covering them. Like, it's, it's just a great game to follow. And so it was – that was really amazing. Yes. Yes. What was the question? What were my three things? Yeah. yeah three you know things. how people do roses and thorns? Let's just do the roses. What are the three like highlights of What your... is that? You've never heard, it's like it's like a like a group like you do it at the end of like a team bonding thing or like a corporate meeting mm. or something kind of like it's meant to like foster communication and sharing. Mm, I'll try that with my friends. I guess. Oh. I'm sure that's <laughs> yeah. It's like an icebreaker in the corporate world. I don't know what right. I know about the corporate world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know give a fucking thing th about that. Give us your top 3 off the bat things of this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that top three, I, just the opportunity to cover a women's game, that was a huge, that was really an honor for me to be asked, and those women deserve so much, and I just did as best as I could to try and honor them and, and what they do and what they deserve. Um, so just the act of being able to do it, it was hard. Um, I'm sure there's people who know those players even better than I do, and um, I respect that heavily, but it was it was a blast. I think the second thing was 
just being able to interact with John Forslund and JT on the broadcast because those are the kind of conversations we have when we're at practice or things like that. And I just have so much respect for both of them. And they both have interest in the kind of work that I do. And so to have the knowledge of those two and to have JT share, you know, what this modern game is all about and what he sees and what players are facing. And then for us to just kind of hand it back and forth of what the data tells us about it. And it just, it was, a, it was so much fun. Um, the third thing, cause it was both games. So I don't have a third thing. It was just a blast. It was just a blast. It was, was a total third thing watching a wrestling blast. clip that I sent you. Was that it? The highlight was watching Obvious, yes. a little snippet yes. of yeah wrestling content. I'm, I'm yes. glad. Glad I could be of service. I will say uh, thank you for people have been very kind about um, particularly the Kraken broadcast. Um, but I have to laugh at there. There's total awesome support. But so a wonderful Kraken fan put out a clip where people he very clearly edited together like multiple points in the game like there's literally a game clock we didn't just sit there and say one three one over and over and over again <laughs> we said it like six times over the course of three hours so um again thank you for telling us how much you're actually paying attention to the game so anyway no but it was awesome it was very very cool it was very very cool thank you, you both for it. your support and love yes of you had course. to deal with a really crazy me this past week so, so. you make it easy well, mm-hmm. so do you guys. You're awesome. You're awesome. Okay. That's very uncomfortable. Enough about me. Here we go. Yeah, you hate it. <laughs> I <laughs> do. in the background. <laughs> oh, go, Allison. Oh, we love Rangoon. Little goonie. Okay, here we go. Friends, <laughs> it's still an episode of Too Many Men, which means we always start with Sarah Sivian's favorite segment. Sarah, what's it called? bit of gobble gobble news. I'm like feeling so well, festive. <laughs> it's a festive time. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Anyway, um, unfortunately, um, it's injury news. And of course, because everything affects the Leafs, um, the news came out of Toronto today. I believe Shana's shaking her head at me. Is that not today? I don't know what day it no, is No, I'm laughing. Just it's the Leafs. I just, the Leafs are creating news for us on days we record because they're like, please talk about yeah, us. Yeah. It's like injuries have never happened before or Riley, oh, Riley, Riley went on IR. <laughs> anyway. Shana, tell news. us the news. Tell us, tell us the news. Tell us how you think this is going to impact the Leafs. So Morgan Riley's out. I think it's four to six weeks with an MCL injury. Super unfortunate. He got hurt in the game last night against the Islanders. It sucks um, because they have, one, he's very good and he's their number one defenseman. Two, they have other injuries like TJ Brody and obviously Jake Muzzin, who is done for likely the entire year. So good luck figuring that one out, Toronto. Uh, everyone's going to be like, do they need a defenseman? Other people already think they need a middle six forward, uh, a top six forward, which, okay. Alrighty then. Um, you know, good luck to the Leafs figuring out who to add. I'm very curious to see how they handle this because they could say, fuck it. Let's just play through it, see how it works. Or they could be a little bit more aggressive. And, like, I really don't know which direction they'll go. They waited out the goalie situation. What do you think they do here? Sarah, will the Leafs survive this latest, clearly (laughs) obvious, karma-inducing threat that only this team has to deal with and no other? It's the question many are asking. Yeah, I don't think... (laughs) I think they'll persevere. You know what I mean? I mean... Got to hand it to Matt Murray and the goalies. They've been pretty good um, as of late, ever since Murray's return. So, like, this happens to every team over the course of the season. Like, it does suck when it happens to someone like Riley. But I do think it's like when they come back, it's such a boost that 
you don't need to like sell the farm. They can't really even do that. So just leave it alone. It's going to be an interesting study. It's a little bit of a take on the on the Edmonton argument, right? Like, sure, they have top-notch talent, but how much of your foundation can you erode away and what level of talent is needed to support even the best of the best on your roster when it goes away? So, yeah, hey, Leafs, we talked about you. You're welcome. It's not an episode without it. Um, it's also not an episode of Too Many Men, unfortunately, without the shit list. Hey, everybody, Allison here. A quick interruption. Uh, we wanted to bring you an update before we go into our shit list this week because as much as we want to point out when things go wrong, we want to acknowledge when uh, things start to go perhaps on a path to being better. And we talked quite a bit about a racial slur used on the ice against Michigan State's Jagger Joshua in the game against the Ohio State Buckeyes last weekend. Um, after we finished recording on Tuesday, um, Ohio State did issue a statement. Uh, the statement in part does say that Camille Sadlocha will not be with the team. He will not practice or compete, quote, at this time. And Associate Athletics Director Jerry Emig issued a statement. Uh, this was shared via Brian Hedger. And the statement reads, I want to offer my sincere and heartfelt apology to Jagger Joshua on behalf of Ohio State University. I am so sorry. No student or student athlete should experience hatred or racism, and everyone should feel welcome. I've spoken with Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Holler, and I'm thankful Jagger is getting the support he needs. Over the last week, the Department of Athletics has worked through this on-ice incident and spoken with Camille Sadlocha and the rest of the team, and Camille is returning home and will not practice or compete at this time. I have met with the men's hockey team and will be meeting with them again soon to discuss our values. The team will complete education on racial sensitivity, diversity, equity, inclusion, and the use of respectful dialogue. The department and I will support them through this important process. Um, so that is an update. Uh, we went pretty hard, to be honest with y'all, on the fact that we didn't think Ohio State was doing enough. And now they've started to take some action. And we wanted to acknowledge that and make space for that. Uh, so with that... We'll move on uh, to our shit list. Thanks. And um, this one, uh, I personally am very upset about. We talk about this all the time that um, hockey is not immune of the same problems in all pockets. And unfortunately, um, we have some really troubling news coming out of an Ohio State, Michigan State game this past weekend where uh, Jagger Joshua, who plays for Michigan State, uh, has said that a racist uh, statement was made against him on the ice. The player was, I want to uh, pull this up correctly, excuse me, Camille Sadlocha, I believe is how it's pronounced, um, was given a game misconduct. So it was obviously something happened and we would never uh, question those accusations as it is regardless. Um, but unfortunately, the response has been very disappointing from Ohio State. Um, Camille has locked his Twitter account and uh, the Big Ten says and Ohio State says that they have reviewed the incident and that there will be no further punishment. Um, and I, I personally am very disappointed. I've covered this program and I would have expected better from them. I think that these are the times when you do have to back up who you say you are with action. Um, and, you know, I'm still processing what that looks like. You know, the, the wrinkle to me that's especially challenging about all this is that Jagger Joshua is actually the younger brother of Dakota Joshua, who played at Ohio State. 
Um, and I know, you know, your rivals on the ice and all that, but th there's some connections here. It's just, again, it's none, none of this is okay. Um, I'm struggling with punishment and also mandating some uh, restorative action for Camille. I mean, what what can we do to to fix this? And the fact that there's no response at all of either kind is, is really frustrating to me. Uh, Sarah, we see this all the time, unfortunately. And unfortunately here again, the player has to come out and make a statement on social media. What were your reactions? And, and do you have thoughts on, you've covered the college game, what could have been a better response here from both the Big Ten and from Ohio State? Yeah, I struggle and I'm trying to figure out exactly how to word this. It's just like, obviously, I support him 5,000% and I support anybody speaking up. I do get a little uncomfortable when it comes to like vigilante witch hunts where it's like, oh, we look at the box score and we see that this is the guy that was called for a, like that all adds up. But at the same time, like, yes, that makes me uncomfortable, but at the same time, the university's inaction to do anything makes me more uncomfortable that we have to go to these lengths and we have to be police these systems that won't police themselves. It's like, I don't understand that. Trust me, I went to Penn State and I know the Big Ten has enough of a sanctions committee to do something about this. I know. And the fact that he was given a game misconduct and, it, like, then we just move on. It's not okay. It's not okay. And this is why there's no, when people say there's no room for hate in hockey or like we're making such big strides, it's like, no, somebody can so comfortably get on the ice, not care and say all this without thinking he's going to risk his future. I don't know. I've never heard of this guy. So maybe he didn't have much of a future in the NHL, but I'm sure he thinks he does this type of guy. And if He's so comfortable saying a racial slur. Um, they gave him every reason to be comfortable with doing it because they just gave him a game misconduct as if he accidentally did a hit to the head, which is also a game misconduct in the college game. So how does that an accidental hit to the head equate to a racial slur that nobody does by accident? Shana, what was your reaction to the situation? And, you know, again, I, listen, we've been in college sports. They're they're. It's the lack of a statement is what's frustrating to me. Is this in part because, and I really don't know, so let me be very clear on that, the player's age, certain privacy concerns or policies, but you have an opportunity for not even a win, but a better first step, um, in my opinion, than how Ohio State and the Big Ten have handled this to date. What would you have liked to have seen, or do you not know yet? Yeah, I'm not positive, like, what the perfect answer is. And, you know, it's wild that I could even say that, considering how many times we've seen this happen. But, you know, like, every situation is obviously different. and Everyone wants to handle it differently. And the way things have been handled so far, it's not like it's changing anything. It would be nice. I understand privacy concerns. It would be nice for some sort of public statement, though, to kind of, like, put your foot down and be like, hey, this is not okay. And even if it's from the school, it's something, just anything to show this is important. There isn't, this isn't something that just goes by unnoticed. This is normal. Like it is normal. That doesn't exactly. even need to act like it and, and normalize it further. Yeah. Like we need to look at things and go, Hey, th th this is fucked up and this is what we do to fix it. This is what we do to stop the problem from repeating a million times over. So, you know, as much as we could look at it and go, well, maybe there's privacy concerns and we look at, you know, he's young and yada, yada, yada. Both players are young in this and he, he, no one should have to take this. No one should have to listen to this and it's constant. So it would be nice to see something. And again, 
We're not saying this person doesn't deserve any chance of redemption. Like, you do, but you have to earn that. And right now, you're not, and the school is enabling him to not, it feels like, from what we know. The one thing I just want to reiterate is the fact that he was so comfortable saying this is the problem. And Uh it's like, I don't know what the perfect answer is, and I'm not completely well-versed on the NCAA rules. I don't think there are, like, if you elect to be a student athlete, they all, they do all this bragging about how student athletes are students before they're athletes. So that comes with a certain responsibility. And like when you attach yourself to a school name, that should come with a, a responsibility to not be like a raging piece of shit at the very least. And if you're going to do a racial slur, like it just shows to me, I just can't get the picture out of my head of him yelling that loud enough that the ref heard it, gave him a misconduct. And I don't think we can blame this on a college hockey ref. I think he did what he could do probably in that moment and and obviously reported it, I think. But everybody knew that this happened and the young man felt the need to make a statement about it because he was so disappointed that there is no action being taken and there absolutely needs to be. This is a hate crime. This is a hate crime, and that needs to come with sanctions. I saw, um, what school was it, Kentucky, where a white woman got drunk and assaulted a black woman and called her the N-word multiple times, and she literally, just like that, lost her, she was a senior, and she is expelled, and that's a good thing, and why can't that happen? Because this guy is an athlete with some sort of future that I've never heard of. Yeah, and again, I mean, I you know, there's... I, there are layers here, and just like what we saw with the Bruins situation, there are layers where decisions are made or not made. And I just would have loved to have seen any of those individuals say, we have to do something actionable here again. And maybe it's punitive. I'm not saying it has to be punitive against the player either. It could be restorative, but the lack of action is, is frustrating. Um, however, friends, it is still the holiday season. My favorite holiday, in fact, as I keep telling you. And so Sarah was smart enough why? to say... Can I ask why? What, why? Why is it your favorite? I'm curious. It's from I mean, Columbus. Like, what the... No. Because... Here's why. Because it's my favorite meal, and it's a wonderful time when everyone wants to get together, and there's no pressure of gifts. There's no pressure. It's just... It's just... It's That's focused fair. on what I think are the right things. Like food. Food and not... Invading a foreign land, but we, well, oh my god, the food is so good. <laughs> true, true. Um, but anyway, Wait, can I say? Sa- sorry, Shana. Oh, I was just gonna tell you, we already. Rich got a like twenty pound turkey from work the other day, and I didn't have room for it in the fridge or freezer. I'm like, my parents already have a turkey. Like, what do we do? So I cooked it Saturday with him because I'm like, fuck it. And we've just had turkey for like days already. And now we're leading into that. Like we're cooking, we cooked it to have it like as sandwiches and I'm giving it to the dogs and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck to do with it. So I'm like, I can't throw away a turkey, but I'm already like, I'm done with Thanksgiving and it hasn't even started. This is exactly what Sorry. our listeners want to hear, Shana. I know. <laughs> I was just curious why it's your favorite. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, Sarah had a anyway, great idea. Sarah had a great idea that we are bringing in a new segment in this season of thanks. And we are thrilled legitimately to bring you the anti-shit list. Today, it was a wonderful, positive step when we do talk about people 
living and organizations living what they say they want to be. Um, the NHL had tweeted out earlier today, this is uh, Tuesday, that the this is the tweet. The NHL is proud to support this past weekend's Team Trans Draft Tournament in Middleton, Wisconsin. This was the first tournament comprised entirely of transgender and non-binary players with around 80 folks participating. And they included some pictures. Um, you can imagine what some of the reply guys had to say. And the NHL responded, I'm not gonna even mention to whom because it's not worth it, but their response was, trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary identity is real. And I come after the league for a lot of things, but I wanna say, I think this is so important and really, really, really awesome. Um, particularly because if you look, you see the backlash that they got on social at the very least, but I think saying this and saying this proudly and saying this on Maine is huge, particularly after a weekend um, that not only was about celebrating the LGBTQ community, but then had a tragedy occur in Colorado as well. And so I personally today am thrilled with the NHL. Good on you for doing this. Sarah, when you came up, when you said, let's make this the anti-shit list, just what did this mean to you to see the NHL take this stand? Honestly, it was a divisive, like it, like a, a specific stand that they took. And I really, really appreciate that. Like, you know what I mean? They weren't mincing words about it. And they, uh, even like my wokest among us were kind of responding that they appreciated it because at a time like this, honestly, of like such heartbreak and tragedy in the LGBTQ plus community, it's like these words do go a long way and it's important to vocally stand by the community. So I am going to give them an A plus on this one. Shana. Yep, I agree. I think first of all, tweeting in the first place was a good move for them. And I think it appears like if you tweet something that, you know, um, fans are going to push back to we see with pride night and things like that too um you have to be prepared and kind of like be ready to manage it and handle the situation which we don't always see happen and it, it was just impressed impressive to me that the league what you know the social media was one allowed to do this too ready and supportive with their response i think it was really well done we've seen teams do this before so to see it from the actual league is important so you know good on them i agree a plus in their handling of this awesome job NHL uh, we give out a lot of members of the shit list but we definitely want to celebrate um, when we see organizations making any step any size any step um, all right kids there was actually some hockey there were like 8,000 games on two days and then two games on like four days and I still am not sure that I'm 100% catch up and be caught up and because of that we're gonna go back to our new favorite game which is buy or sell. We've collected a whole bunch of headlines from around the NHL since we last spoke with y'all. And I'm gonna read them off and then each of my co-hosts are gonna have the chance to buy or sell. We're gonna need two buys to bring a topic for conversation. So the stakes are high here, friends. Are you ready? No. <laughs> But I will try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. So we're going to go through our buys or sells, and you both have to answer at the same time because we can't cheat here. Okay. okay. You ready? All right. Here we go. Matthew Barzal finally scores a goal, and the Islanders have yet another comeback win, most recently against, of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
My friends, buy or sell. Bye. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Hold on. Let's shout out to our Twitter follower that said, I knew Sarah wasn't going to buy this one the last time. We're buying it now, baby. We're we're ready to talk about the Islanders. (laughs) Shayna, do the honors. My friends complained. (laughs) My friends complained. They were like, are you ever going to talk about the Islanders on the (laughs) podcast? I'm like, I talk about them with you all the time. Like, it's not like I don't talk about them. Okay. Everyone was panicking about Barzell not having a goal because he is a playmaker. And, you know... He wasn't getting the results. First of all, he's shooting at a higher rate this year. Second of all, he has a higher shot quality pace this year. Third of all, he should have had like five goals before he had his you know, first two actually go in. I think we need to talk about the construction of the Islanders and how they have so many net front players who often tip in, redirect, you know, shots like that. He plays with Anders Lee or if you play with Brock Nelson on the power play or Zach Parise is on his line for a minute or Peugeot. Those players tend to finish his chances. Could he be a little bit more aggressive with his finishing and going for the shot and not going for the pass? Absolutely. But... He's doing just fucking fine, and he's playing great. So shut up. Get over it. And it's fun they're coming from behind. They come alive when they're trailing in games. It would just be nice to see them with a little more effort before they go down. Like, how many 3-1 games did they come back from a couple weeks ago? But hey, they like the drama. Go for it. And they beat the Leafs. More chaos. Here for it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They beat the Leafs. That's everybody's Super Bowl, honestly, Um, (laughs) including mine. Isn't this what we wanted out of Matt Barzell? Didn't we want him to focus on the other parts of his game? Weren't we all crying about that? So I'm glad, actually, that he took a little time to focus on his game while his team was picking up his slack. They were scoring, like, some of the highest, like, goals, averages, whatever, of all the fanciest stats in the world in the league in the beginning. So I'm like, when I think about that, I remember when I was covering the Canes and it was like, should we be worried about X player? Should we be worried about Y player? I'm like, is the team losing? No. Is there 82 games in the season? Yes. This is the time. If you want your team to make the playoffs, you've got to, it's all, it's a team effort. That's not just a cliche. Like some people are finding their groove and scoring goals while other people are figuring out other aspects of their game. And shout out to um, the Islanders new coach, because he is a great new voice that like, I, I don't know, he's pretty young and cool. I think he can like get, to the players in a way, like he was part of Barry Trotz's stat, staff. So I feel like it's just nice to see these younger guys with the same messaging, but different delivery get to the guys. Love that. Love that. All right, here we go. Number two, the devils, the devils. That's a certain age group. will understand that. The devils are on a 13 game win streak versus the Leafs. On Wednesday was when they was when Lindy Ruff hit 1650 games coached, the fifth most in NHL history. The Devils are just racking up the W's in like every single category they can buy or sell. Bye. Oh, sorry, we're supposed to go at the same time. We're supposed to go at the same time. Oh, we are. How is that ever possible? How would you trust us like that? One, two, three. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, God. All right, Sarah, talk about the Devils. God, what do you want from them? They have offense. They have defense. They have goaltending because they finally listened to Shayna and started some other people other than Mackenzie Blackwood. And they... <laughs> It's like all the the pieces that they have put together are finally coming through at the same time. Um, It's just kind of ridiculous. It's like they can't lose. And even the overtime winners have been so good. I just think the way 
they've done defensively is even more impressive to me than offense. So it isn't even really about the goaltending, but at the same time, like it's all kind of clicking. Shayna, I'm curious what your thoughts. It feels like last year they had like the pieces to get there. And, you know, they started with the speed game and they were really good off the rush and Jack Hughes was thriving and Jesper Bratt and Nico Hishier and players like that. But it was so easy for games to spiral because of the goaltending and there were defensive lapses. But this year, it does feel a bit differently. It's like the way that they're defending players like John Marino and uh, Siegenthaler and Dougie Hamilton, like the way that they're limiting the danger of chances. And I think uh, Marino last night against Connor McDavid, you know, off the rush twice, it was like great examples of how he was like getting him out of the danger zone to take away that opportunity against one of the best players in the world. Like that's huge. And, you know, now this year they kept up with the rush game with their speed, but there's a little bit more sustained pressure behind it and more cycle chances that they were missing before. So it's impressive to me. And it's also interesting the I want to talk like the influence of assistant coaching I think is important here because they uh seem to struggle with that last year and it's interesting you have two new assistant coaches but the same head coach and you see very different results and who who is that assistant coach well Andrew Burnett is the yeah. interesting one that everyone's talking about <laughs> right boy. now I know you like him he's been so good with the power play so good with the offense that you're like, okay, maybe this... We knew that Mark Reckie wasn't good with the power play. The power play was a, a, an absolute... They allowed more shorthanded goals at times than they did score power play goals. I'm going to have to get another call <laughs> after this. This is what my question is. It's like we... Uh, every time I was on Twitter, it was like, Rod Brindamore doesn't... Jeff Daniels doesn't know what to do with the power play. It's like, what does a coach actually... I feel like you're really good at explaining this. Like how... What impact can a coach actually have on a power play that isn't just the personnel? Do you want, do you want me yeah. to go first? <laughs> I, this is all this is all you. Please. I mean, I'm you like, can go you can you can you could try something different in formation. You can switch which player is where you can make an in-play switch. Um, that's something the Kraken have been doing where they take Jordan Everly and Jaden Schwartz and flip them between net front and bumper, um, depending on what they're trying to accomplish. I, I think there's a lot of things you can do strategically that could free up because you're putting your most talented players out there theoretically so there's i mean it's not rocket science but at the same time it's like also like just allow yourself to think differently for a second versus shoot more pass harder or whatever it is yep thank you i agree i'm satisfied with the answer it's just like it's so and the other thing too with the devils specifically it felt like for one they didn't have dougie hamilton on power play one all of last year when he got right, injured, true, true, he true, didn't true, true, immediately true, true, true. return. Canes fans, everybody yeah. out there for some reason wants to cry about Dougie because he because he's big and he won't hit. I don't know, whatever. He will change the complexion of a power play. Yep, and they he was there, and then when he got hurt, Severson took over, and they were clicking a little bit, so they kept it. The other thing is they got really stagnant in their positioning. Like, they got into formation, and it felt like it was too predictable, and you could see when Jack Hughes was healthy, he was, like, skating around the offensive zone with the puck and trying to get everyone moving while still in their positions, and you just see, like, a lot more flow now. So it definitely seems like it's it's, – how many times do we see a head coach completely change their assistant coaches but stay on? You know, like, it's going to be really interesting. Coaches, like – Torts, who we talk about, who aren't like the most X's and O's kind of guys. Like, can they, are they good communicators? Are they good people managers? And then you can find someone to be the right tacticians. Like, it's stuff that we should talk about more. That's actually such a good case study because all the time we're just like spewing what our actual beliefs on these things are when you don't really get like that in the wild too much. So it's good to know it's working out. Shout out to Florida. Could have used my boy brunette. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, while I'm excited for the Devils to, I'm excited for any team, I've said this about them, that is trying to do this the right way, find success. 
However, I can't, I can't, they can't keep winning, guys. Do you know why? Who has the... Because the leaves are coming no. to town tomorrow? No. The Kraken are on board? No! Do you know who has the second longest win streak in NHL history? Oh, Columbus. Columbus Blue Jackets. And they really need That's to... That's what, 16, 17 the was 16. the year they did it? Uh, no, the season was... Uh, oh, yeah, it was 16, 17. But the win streak was 16. Um... And we can't, like, don't take away anything else from Columbus right now, guys. Like, let them live. Like, give them just one little happy, positive thing going on here right now. Do you know what's no. wild about the Winchick, though? <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> They've beaten a couple teams two times. I think it's Ottawa, Calgary, Edmonton, and now they potentially could do that to the Leafs. Like, it's only Canadian teams that they're facing twice that they're like, we're going to beat you twice in the Yeah, streak. the Devils are the first team in history to sweep, like, a total Canada trip like all the Canadian teams I guess like there was some stat like that where obviously people have swept the western Canada but they did the eastern Canada too so (laughs) I don't know what to say about that here we go. All right. We're, and folks, we're giving you a super long episode in honor of the <laughs> holiday. Are. And also because we figure you're either traveling for the holiday or you're stuck with people that you're spending too much time with already. And maybe this will just like give you more time to put something in your ears and not listen. Um, here we go. Buy or sell. You're both going to answer at the same time. Buy or sell. Okay. The Bruins are still kicking. Okay, ready? Oh my God. <laughs> Two, three. Buy. Buy. You can't buy everything. We can, it is a gluttonous season, but we can't buy everything. Listen, I'm going to sell the next one. I can tell you that. Um, okay, we'll go <laughs> well, quick Sarah, with okay. this one. No, the Bruins are good. No. Yeah, Sarah already talked about this when Shayna wasn't with us. So Shayna, you have 30 seconds to discuss the Bruins still kicking. And then we are moving on. They're really good. Uh, no, uh, the, the, it, I think it's the core is kicking. They are healthy. That's very good. They were good before that. I think I like the tweaks Jim Montgomery has done. I think he's done a really good job. I think players like Pashnok look great under him. I think players like Charlie Coyle look great under him. Hampus Lindholm is thriving. Like, it, it's all clicking for Boston. I think what's also important is, like, there's a lot of, like, their core is the core that they've won with, or the core you think of when you think of the Bruins. And it's interesting how the team, it feels like finally is evolving this year to, like, keep up with where teams should want to be today. And that's what's working for them. Buy or sell? <laughs> Buy or sell? Oh my God, this is a disaster. We appreciate you listening. Thank you for being part of the Too Many Men family. Here we go. Buy or sell? And I will count you down to your answer. Buy or okay. sell? The ghost of Mike Smith keeps infiltrating the Edmonton net. Buy or sell? Three, two, one. Sell. Sell. All right, perfect. God bless. I can't talk about that. That said enough. Anymore. That we like said that enough with the sentence. Yep. Just go watch last night's highlight over and over again and just be like, what is happening? Buy or sell. Natchez is a wagon, but almost traded. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. Okay. How are you two? So- okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you know this player. <laughs> go I ahead. I want to say. I have a few things to say about the Canes right now. I think it's so funny. Like, uh, all the time I was covering them, it was, like, one random game a year when they were on, like, I don't know, like a three-game losing streak. The three members of the media would randomly, like, pick a game to be (laughs) overreactionary. Like, they don't care for 70 games. And then for, like, like, a few games, they're, like, this team needs Justin Williams back. I'm like, what? Then they came, like, because they were down 3-0 against a really good team. And then they came back 
three three, and when it's overtime, everybody's like, "Whoa, okay." But they just tied it up anyway. Yeah, it's just like, why is everybody so reactionary about this team? They act like I don't know. But Natchez was the one to tie it up to bring it to overtime. Um, he has been on fire this year. Imagine that when you put him with Andrei Svechnikov. The two skilled guys are going to do skilled things. And I just want to say, after reporting on the situation, and I put it in all my little articles that I would try to, but, like, nobody would ever actually read my articles. So I'm like, oh, people would, but, like, I was breaking news in the articles and people are, like, asking questions about it still, whatever. He, okay. How do I? <laughs> yes, very Kokani. Okay, I'm gonna try to pass. Yes, very Kokani. Signed a very expensive deal, and some of the people in the Hurricanes management, uh, it is my sense that they wanted him to play high in the lineup and make it worth it to not face criticism. And then he did that and didn't score that much, and they faced criticism. And then Natchez got called back up higher in the lineup and scored three goals in three games. And they put him back down on the fourth line and it made no sense. And if you think it made no sense and you were watching those games, you were right. Um, I do think the coaching staff felt pressure to play Cook Niemi. But now it's like, he is great. The fuck of it all is that he is great as like a third line. He's very big and tall. He's a great net front presence and like, For some reason, we just want this guy to score so many goals, maybe because he was a high draft pick in Montreal, like the way Montreal, the chokehold that city has over all of us. But he has played great in the net front role. Like he is a great replacement for Stahl in the future. And let Natchez score his goals. And he has been, and he's been awesome this year. So the Canes were going to trade him and we're like looking for like trade partners with him. And now I bet they're happy that they didn't but I bet the agent is pissed that they were like putting him on the fourth line we're in sheltering his minutes and kind of probably because they also didn't want to trade him for that much money so I guess that's a win for the Canes but I just really find myself feeling for this player I'm sorry this is the Martin H's podcast now I just find myself feeling for this player and I hope he's happy I hope you're happy (laughs) Shayna, you can't have anything to add after that. I'm happy for him. I like that he's finally... He's a good kid. Playing to his strengths, it feels like, you know, and not trying to just play to the Kane style, but, like, make his strengths work in the Kane's top six, if that makes sense, because he's, like, a little bit different from some of the other players, and it just feels like he's finally, like, I, I know how to play my game and make it work here, and you're seeing the results. So sometimes, like, I think there is something to, like, concepts and skill over just strategy he's so talented at passing it's like it's just amazing to watch one time i tweeted like martin nature sucks sarcastically because i was on his side and he liked it because he was like probably reading tweets about himself after the game and i was like oh i actually didn't mean that i think you're really good i'm sorry that other people think you suck and i've liked him ever since Anyway, anyone have any more questions we're gonna have a now we have to launch a martin podcast we need him on the pod that's all we need. Well, Sarah, you get on. Not that, enough natures. You get. Oh my God, no, no. Um, New merch. Not enough natures. <laughs> all right. If either of you, if, if we, if either of you buy this, I'm gonna crawl through the interwebs and and yell at you. But here we go. Buy or sell? Could San Jose? Why? Oh my God, Shana. Let me read it first. The people don't know. Buy or sell? Could San Jose trade Eric Carlson? Three, two, one. Bye. So. Ah, you both oh, have to there's agree. a tie. 
Nope, you both have to agree. That was the rule. I said that going in. Sorry, Shayna. Moving on. Buy or sell. Listen, it's it is okay. a free country. Buy or sell. The senators who we all wanted to do well are struggling. They currently sit at the bottom of the Eastern standings. Buy or sell, talking about the senators and their struggles in three, two, one. Sell. Sell. I'm selling this like I'm the third Melanick girl or I'm the weekend (laughs) about to buy it. So I hope the weekend buys it and then it's like house of blue. Okay. Shout out to my weekend (laughs) fans. All right. Buy or sell. Should Vancouver trade Captain Bo Horvat? Three, two, one. Fuck you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. What does that yeah. mean? Okay. Stop All right. Canucks. Like, I'm just so Shana? Shana, go ahead. It, I don't think he's the player they should, like, be wanting to trade. I think, like... It should have been Miller a year ago, and they could have gotten all these assets back to really push them where they need to be. But I don't think they can have a Miller contract going into his 30s that's going to look bad in a couple years, and a Horvat contract that's going to look bad in a couple years just because of like where they are in their time. It doesn't. It doesn't make. I know he's your captain, but like it does not make sense to have both of them when you're not. If you're a playoff team right now and they were a contender, it'd be like status quo. Who fucking cares what you're doing in five years because this is your window now and their window is where is it's literally it's it's where what are, what are you doing it's like are it's you good are you gonna be it's 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 a mess and either way they go if they go we're gonna sell off then you just fucking failed all of these years and you're a disaster and if you say we're good enough to go for it what how much you're gonna have to spend to get good because you fucked yourselves so much over the years that like now to throw another contract and i say free him let him go somewhere like if if they can do a sign and trade, I'm really, really interested where it could be because it's not just a contender. Could it be someone like Columbus who really needs a good center? Like, that would be interesting. You know, if he was with Johnny Gaudreau, like, that that could be kind of cool. They need a good center. And I think he would be, like, the kind of fit that they need. Um, but you're, to, you're, to now, you're, now that, you're now a Blue Jackets fan. How in the hell are they going to keep yeah. the core young players they need and acquire that player? They have no money. And Vancouver's not going to say, oh, we'll make that trade for Boone Jenner. I mean, come on. No, no, they're gonna have to do young pieces. But That's I'm just I'm thinking, like, I, I, okay, I'm not this thinking is, of this the is the who's giving up their first team. rounder for Bo Horvat. Who, who's you are? You are the Blue Jackets fan who says, "Let me trade Jared Bull for like freaking I don't know who." Who says uh, Mitch no? Marner. Also, yeah, they were offered it's, something. I, I think Shana. this is public now. They, so the Horvat was <laughs> wow insider to be. I, this, I, I mean, it's, this is definitely out there somewhere, so it's fine uh, already. So I'm just refreshing it. But I'm pretty sure Horvat was offered. There was a, like, uh, there was not Horvat was offered. There was a potential trade conversation about Horvat for Pavel Buchnevich, which was talked about a bit. And uh, this was whatever. And I think <laughs> it was Vancouver that said no, which was odd because it's like you could get a top line caliber two way winger. Versus like a center who is a good center, but if he's not, he's not your one C unless you have two elite wingers on each side of him to bring him to the caliber you need a one C to be on a contender. Um, and they chose not to do it then, over a year ago. So now it's like you just like his value's not where because of his age, because of what's happened since. Like so, good fucking luck with like a good return. I don't even know what Vancouver would want at this point because I don't think they know what they want. 
Well, and let me be clear. I'm not picking on Jared Bull or Boone Jenner, first of all, because my husband <laughs> would get mad at me. And second of all, they're both... NHL players, and they have both been, when they, Jared Bull doesn't play anymore, they've both been integral parts of the Columbus Blue Jackets team. My point to make was, if Vancouver is at all smart, they're going to want the young, promising, highest-end talent possible, and that's not what Columbus can afford to give up right now. So before you come at me, that was my point. Sarah, what are they going to do with Bo Horvat? Yeah, I don't care. I'm done, I'm done with this team. Like, <laughs> okay, trade him they just like are 17 steps behind where they need to be on every single thing. And it's like, they wait till the bitter end to do something when they should have like, it's just like pull the, but what is this even going to do at this point? They are never like, it's if I'm a player and they're like, okay, you're getting traded to Vancouver. I'm like, it's the best city in the world. And I don't really care about how I play because I'm not in the NHL. (laughs) But I'm like, I'd love to live there, but I can't like, this would be such an undesirable place because there's just no direction. It's like, okay, can I hang on to the last few years of a great dynasty? No. Can I plan for a future where we can build for something and I can be a veteran presence or something for like a younger guy, or I'm going to be a younger kid going there. I want to die. Like, no. Well, maybe Emily Castonguay, I just love to say her name, can help right the ship there. I love her name. I love her. She's a great person. Good worker. Um, all right. Last buy or sell topic. Are you both ready? Can I actually get another claw first? <laughs> I'm being so serious. Quickly, quickly. We will pause for station identification. We should do elevator music. Like It just like tunes out of us, and it's just like a too many men slate with elevator music. back. Sarah has a claw. Things are good. Here we go, my friends. Buy or sell? Are the blues good? Question mark. Here we were just a short time ago talking about how they were on one of these worst losing streaks in the league. They lost eight straight games and now they have won seven straight. And according to Bally Sports, they are the first NHL team to ever put up such a record. Buy or sell? Are the blues good? Three... Two, one. Sell. Sell. There you go. The jury is out. All right, y'all. As you know, once again, we are going into the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, There is the proverbial rule that any team that is in the playoffs at the time of American Thanksgiving is likely to make it into the postseason. So when we come back after this holiday break, we'll be talking about that. We'll be doing a vibe check on which teams really look like contenders after getting to this pseudo-real, pseudo-not-real deadline that hockey people have put in place over time. Um, But we usually end every episode with our favorite game, Fuck, Mary Kill. But again, it is a season of thanks. It is a season to be with your family, be it the one you were born into or chosen into. And so instead of fuck, Mary kill, we're still going to each give you three things, but they're going to be three things for which we each are tremendously thankful for this year more than ever. Shana, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. I am thankful 
that while it is very slow growing, that we're actually seeing a little bit of innovation in hockey. We're seeing more teams hire uh, people to work in their analytics department and elevating them to roles that it actually trickles down and it is not just data and information. It's something into the whole decision-making process. And we're seeing things like the power kill. Team Canada talking about the power kill themselves and how that's what they want their strategy to be. Coaches like Marty St. Louis talking about concepts over strategy and, you know, bringing something a little different to the table when he's a coach with little to no coaching experience before that. It's slow growing, but it is something that I am very thankful for. Number two, you got to do all three. No, one of you guys go. No, no, no. No, no. no I'm going to hog all the good ones. Okay, fine. Yeah, Sarah, go. go. I am thankful for the NHL's recent, I mean, we went over this, but like there's more to talk about the NHL's recent hard stance on supporting trans people, which is apparently a hot take to support people that like it, it just sucks. It does suck that every time they post something positive about the trans community, there are responses and there's a long way to go. But the first step is actually normalizing support of it from a homogeneous white hockey culture place. You know what I mean? Like it's big for them and they put their money where their mouth is where five days ago they said, we look forward to working with the Trevor project, which is one of the best LGBTQ plus things you can ever donate to and support. They help trans and gay people. Like if you, if they are suicidal, they call this hotline specifically and get help and they actually provide them with resources. It's an incredible thing. But okay, we look forward to working with the Trevor Project this year to amplify and support these life-saving services. For more information on being an ally to the transgender and non-binary community can be found at trvr.org slash allyship. And they are, yeah, they they came out and said the transgender and non-binary community. And that just means a lot after everything that's gone down the past week and all the rhetoric that's been so dangerously spewed and the goddess evil sides stories that get written. It's not that we need to take a stance in supporting trans people because nobody on earth has more violence inflicted upon them other than trans people. I am thankful for women's hockey. And I think that I realized it more than ever, and poor Shana had to listen to me as I was prepping to cover this game. But, uh, you know, Shana just talked about innovation in the sport, and there is so much new and cool stuff happening in the women's game from play behind the net to thinking about face-offs differently to power killing to how you defend to how you set up scoring chances. And when we talk about keeping the sport interesting and exciting, I think that there are answers beyond just more goals. And I think that if we have areas of the sport that are willing to change the way they think about it, it's only going to be more cool. And I think women's hockey is doing that. So I applaud them for being innovative and an incubator for doing things differently, both on and off the ice. Shana, number two. I am thankful for this podcast. Hey! Because I think... We are so so fucking important in this, in hockey, that we have, first of all, three women talking about stuff. Second of all, we're not afraid to say whatever the fuck we think, obviously. And third of all, we have Oreos now. (laughs) Thanks to Allison. (laughs) That I am so thankful. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I already ate one because it was so fucking good. And you can't put Oreos in front of me and tell me I can't. Seven out of seven on the rating scale. We love them. No notes. Look how cute these are. So I am thankful 
for you two and all that we do because I think that we are important and just like it's nice to have people in this industry to talk to you about literally everything because there are days where I want to rip my hair out and lose my shit and you two get to talk me down and I am oh so appreciative of that. Yes, I will echo that. I'm allowed to say you two too, but I'll also say a lot of women in hockey that may not always, like, I don't know, sometimes not everybody's on Twitter screaming all the time, but sometimes people will support you behind the scenes and you, you shout out to people like that. And I don't know, I just spent earlier this week at Penn State with Emily Kaplan of ESPN and then we had Lisa Dillman on our podcast. And it was just nice to realize, like, not the torch being passed to anybody, but kind of how there's been generations and like different vibe. It's for so long. And Emily talked about this too, so much. And I'm just like, so astounded by how brilliant she is and like how she makes what she does look normal when it's not normal. Right. Like, and Allison knows that as an analyst in the TV broadcast now, right. How she isn't the prototypical woman on rinkside, right? She she was first a writer and she doesn't didn't have that career path, but she paved the way for others to now have this career path. And women are allowed to be different people and look like different things and do different things and have opinions in this league now. And I'm very grateful for that because I think it's, short-sighted when we're like women in sports whatever and it's just like somebody standing on a sideline looking gorgeous it's like yeah what about the woman that has a fucked up eyebrow that they talk about on youtube every day like i'm allowed to have my opinions what about somebody that has an opinion or takes a stance we're allowed to have a spot too so i'm proud and thankful for the women along the way who have helped us with that well, I am millions percent thankful for this podcast um, for all the reasons you said. And I am thankful to know that people have been generous enough to tell me that the, each of us and then the three of us together have been a beacon to someone who didn't know that maybe there was a spot for them in this sport. And so for that, I will twist my thank you, not just to this show, but to the fans and even people who've never heard this show before, because even um, with me going between the benches last weekend, um, it was actually good that the people who were giving us a hard time about uh, some of the clips, and it was all in good fun, but it was about the content of what we were saying. And I didn't see, if it was out there, I didn't see it, which means if it was out there, it was very little of, um, me being a woman or me not having played the game or anything like that. And I think that we are, the tide is rising and that fans are, are slowly finding ways to be better, both individually and collectively. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. All right, we have one more thank you. This is also wholesome. Shana, go ahead. Yeah, this one's not wholesome. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, my wholesome meter, it's up. Sorry, I'm really sorry, <laughs> but there's okay. only so much you can expect from me. Okay. Um, because I was... Uh, Totally prepared for everything, obviously, not to just for this. I am thankful for this stupid, chaotic sport that we cover that is so much fucking fun, that is giving us something different to talk about every day, whether it's about player personalities or something good, or like we were talking about with the NHL's response for, or something bad and how we can make it good, or something ridiculous like last night's Vancouver fucking the the puck going into the, with the camera and that chaotic goal review of a missed stoppage of all of like the insanity of this sport of the maple leaves of 
the fucking Canucks, like all of it, it is never dull. It is never boring. It is always exciting. And there's always something to learn from it, to talk about and have a conversation with, to get a different perspective about, or like, you know, tie it to other sports and what we can learn from it, or just the human side of it. Like, I think it's a very good thing, um, as flawed and fucked up as it is. And it absolutely fucking is at every single level. And there's a lot to do. Um, you know, that's what I got. So not very wholesome, but sorry. That's, it's okay. That actually Sarah. is really wholesome. It that is actually wholesome. is really wholesome. We found yeah. the beauty. And we, if I didn't care about hockey, I wouldn't criticize it. Right. And we all feel the same. Like, we love it so much that we want it to be the best it can because at its best, it's pretty awesome. Um, I am thankful for, honestly, the friends we've made along the way. The people that get it and... Listen to anywhere. Like, sometimes it's crazy. I am just, like, fucking out here tweeting or out here podcasting, thinking nobody actually listens. And then people dig it. So, I like, I'm glad our voices can resonate with you if they ever do. And I'm glad that you exist because you sometimes make it worthwhile in the hard times. And I will end by saying that I, and this is cheesy but true... I'm very thankful for our producer, Jeremy Taché, who you can hear the mess that we are, and he puts up with us and he (laughs) makes us sound as good as our wobbling audio tends to be, depending on where we each are in the country or the the continent, honestly. Um, And he's been so great and so supportive, and I'm so thankful that we are part of the Lebetard Network, too. It's just been an honor and, and to feel that support and to be part of a platform that says, talk about whatever you want and say whatever you want to say, and we're here and we believe in you, has been, I think, a really important boost for each of us um, for, for a little thing that started out just because Sarah wanted to have a podcast. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? All right, friends. could never do it without you two. Oh, my God. That's what we're all about. I did, like, want a podcast because it was cool. And then we actually had some shit to say. (laughs) Imagine that. And more shit every day. Thank you, NHL. Thank you, Hockey World. Exactly. Thank you, Maple Leafs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thankful for Toronto. All right, my friends. Well, that should do it. We hope that we've given you some joy, some thought, and some fun for this Thanksgiving holiday. We are, in all sincerity, very, very thankful for you. Um, If you aren't already, please follow us on Twitter at 2 underscore much underscore man. If you haven't already, check out our merch. It's over at Teespring. You can search for us by Too Many Men there, or you can find the link in our Twitter bio or on our website, toomanymenpod.com. We will be back next week, back to our regular two episodes a week structure, bringing you all the hot takes that our minds can hold. Until then, please, please tell someone you're thankful for that you are in fact thankful for them. Lift them up, give people their flowers while you can. Truly do something to make hockey for everyone and be good to one another. Love you. Mean it. (laughs) Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.